we are together, we're unshakable. We are, when we are divided, that's why they continue to pick us apart. Instead of them staying back home and fix Africa, we say, no, uh, Nigeria, is not, Nigeria is no good, so everybody wants to go abroad. Okay, you get abroad, the system cages you. Don't forget your education. If somebody's idea poured into you, and then you get a degree, and you just say you're a professor. But what about you looking at your African history and use it as a template to build yourselves up? And what I've done personally is I've, I was prepared to throw everything away and I've done that. I had to re-educate myself. Welcome to Overhead Podcast, where we talk about small business tips, the power of your story and your narrative. Are you a small business owner, a content entrepreneur, or you simply want to earn income online? Then join A-Classes Academy, an educational platform that provides an online learning experience around the topic of storytelling, content creation, and online businesses. I am Obehi Ewafo, author of the storytelling series for small businesses and content creators. You can check out any of the books in the series on Amazon. Now let's get started with today's episode. My name is Ola Simo, actually. Um, born in the UK. Uh, I've basically spent most of my time in the UK. I was partly educated in Nigeria. I went to primary school and secondary school in Nigeria before I came back to the UK. So obviously, being in the UK and being in Africa, because I go back and forth, I've kind of learned a lot of things. So my perspective, my view is basically based on both continents and the fact that you know, I'm, in, I'm in Nigeria quite a lot. So yeah. Um, in terms of education, I don't really talk about education because basically education for me was indoctrination. So basically what I've done over the years is I have to re-educate myself in terms of what I understand, what I believe, and what got me to where I am today. And the process of that is basically dissecting everything that I've been taught from, the, from a while. Basically, obviously, growing up in the UK, um, I, I would say, yeah, I've been in the UK, I basically see a contradiction in terms of what's going on, in terms of what I see in Africa, and the perception based on the UK. And I'm, I'm one of the kind of person that asks, like, I like to ask questions. And I see that colonialism has actually made the West rich, whereas Africa is getting poorer. So these are the things that I keep seeing. I think it doesn't make no sense. Why does Africa keep being poor while the West keeps getting richer? And obviously, as I've read different kind of books, um, and then it basically it informed me and I became a lot more I'll say agitated, wanted to see a change because I just don't get the fact that we Africans so wealthy, but so poor at the same time. The, the paradox doesn't it doesn't it doesn't correlate with me. And that's basically how I've started the the whole thing. This has been a I'll say this has been about a ten year journey for me. And it's basically I started to ask I've been asking this for a long time, but at the moment we got to that stage where I thought myself, this is the last stage of my life. I'm fifty five years old. And something has to, somebody has to say something, somebody has to do something different. And that's basically where I'm at right now. So that's basically the background of how all these things started. 
Thank you so much for that, uh, Ladele. That is uh, very important, uh, the line that you are taking there, and it's a very interesting one to actually mm. trade, as it were. Mm. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it were Mark Twain that was saying that he never allowed um, education to stand on his way of learning, mm. uh, which means that we actually have a, a long way to go. And of course, another thing that is actually become very important for a lot of people today is that mm. uh, we don't only need to learn, but we also need to unlearn and relearn. Of course, that means now we need to be in charge of our own education. We need to decide what we want to learn because we don't need to just feed our head with all the general ideas that somebody has prepared for us. As if we are sort of simulation, just responding to the impulses of another person. Mm. Uh, it is our turn to be able to decide what we want. Based on that, we need to choose the kind of knowledge that we want. I think mm. if a lot of Africans are doing that, they will be able to figure out the game at the end of the day because it's always a game. We are playing someone's game. Only that the rules have been set up for us and we are not going to get salvation through that game. We are going to have to either reinvent the game or uh, choose to play a different kind of game, actually. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much for choosing to speak to me. I really appreciate that. No um, now, you grew up in the UK. Mm. Uh, you were born there, actually, right? Yeah. Okay. Tell me, when was that moment of a eureka moment, as it were, that moment that you realized that, okay, you needed to have a different perspective of the kind of education you were given, either in the UK or in Nigeria? I'll actually tell you how it started. It's actually my son. My son is 31 years old. He's going to be 32 years old in about, in about a few days' time, 1st of July. And my son, when my son was about 15 or 16, my son used to tell me stuff. This is my son. It was about 15, 14, 15, around that age. And he used to tell me stuff that, Dad, think, think these things are not the way they're supposed to be. Dad, you, know, you guys are, you know, I'm reading stuff. You guys don't get it. And when my son used to tell me stuff, I used to ignore him. I said, what's this child? What does he know? But he kept, he kept repeating stuff to me. He kept telling, telling me, me and his mother, Mom, Dad, these things, just understand. He would talk about religion. He would talk about education because he had loads of books in his bedroom. My son was actually reading. So I could not ignore him. So I, I started to start look at what he was looking at. And I started to do my own research. From religion, because basically I used to be in the church, but I left the church because of the fact that I realized that the church was not serving the purpose to help the black people. Education, I started reading books. Uh, my favorite book is um, Decolonization, of, Decolonization of the African. I can't remember the name properly. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that book is basically serving as the background to building that organization, actually, because basically all the solutions are there for us. So that's basically how I started. Basically, my son was the one that actually put, made, made me do start thinking differently. Obviously, like I said, you always have these doubts because I've always had doubts about things. But because you're in the system and you have to fit into the system, you don't, you don't think about it because the system feeds you. But as I've grown older, I've, I've started to you know, think differently. And then basically, that was a spark for my son, basically. And my son today is basically the person that actually pushed me to where I am today because obviously, even I'm a lot more informed than he is because obviously now he's in the system trying to get to where he needs to get to and I, i'm at the legacy of my life where i've got the time to do a lot more research and figure out things and see how things are but that's basically how it started that's how it started yeah good to have to thank that son very well and of oh, course yeah. that son also is coming from his father so yeah, yeah even though somehow yeah, we don't know where this spark is going to come from but mm. the energy is inside of us sometimes so we are going to have to uh be grateful that we have the chance to be able to rewrite um and the rules that is going to favor us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is complicated. Yesterday we had um, 
an interesting conversation here in the city where I am uh, with a couple of friends of ours. We are trying to uh, create something. Then, of course, we have to look at the, 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 the bigger scale, look at Africa, look at the African reality. Something I would say, it is really complex, uh, the, the situation that we find ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look for a way to it's a very, look out for a very delicate line that sort of separates um, is possible and what is uh, the rules that we are actually playing. So we can sort of look for a way to escape because nobody is coming anywhere to save us. It's never going to happen. Definitely not. All right. Now, uh, looking at uh, around your work, looking at around your post, um, things like that, I find that you use the word akabule, which is mm. um, an ancient word for Africa. So I wanted to spend some words there explaining that. Why is that so frequent in what you are doing? Okay, um, like I've said, we've got to the stage where I feel like um, Africans, we, are, we, have been, we have been miseducated, we've been indoctrinated, and then sometimes we need to go back to basics, go backwards and look forward. And even though people would say to me that Akebelan is kind of Arabic in origin, but what I took from that is the fact that Akebalan means mother of mankind. That basically tells me that we are the original people in the world. And I took that from that to say, you know what? If we are the original, we built civilization. We built basically, we were there before everybody else. Why can't we own it? And that's the basis of why we formed the emergent Akebalan. It's basically to get people back to basic, to look backwards. Like you said, we can never use the system they've used to oppress us to keep pushing ourselves forward. It's not going to happen because we're going to remain in shackles. So what the emerging capitalists are going to be doing is basically thinking about the mindset, the way we think. The way we think is one of the biggest impediments to the way our psyche and basically Africans. As a diasporan, obviously, in, in, I've been in the UK, in Africa. When I'm back in Nigeria, basically, we see Africans who still worship their oppressors. You see a Chinese, you see an Indian. You know, even when, sometimes when I'm checking out, the, checking out the airport, you see the Chinese people push me off the queue to go forward. And our um, officials would just ignore them without saying nothing. You know, at one point, a Chinese person pushed me off the queue to go, to go check in. And I was so fuming. I explained them to say something, but they didn't. I had to react myself. So that kind of mental stupidity, excuse my language, is basically needs to stop. And in the diaspora as well, okay, I, like I said, I grew up here. I look at a lot of us. We fit into the system so badly that we want to belong, because I've been through a lot of racism in, in this country. I've seen it overtly, covertly. It's happened to me. There was one point when I came back to, to the UK, they were calling me Kunta Kinte at one point. Okay? That happened to me. So all these things are put together into oh, Africans. We need to own our own narrative. We need to actually build our own narrative. And that's basically what's informed me to build the emerging vocabulary, bringing diasporans and continent Africans together. You change the way we think. It's very important because once you change the mindset, then we can focus on actually see the clear picture. I can see things for what it is right now because my mindset's completely shifted. I can see oppression. I can see everything for what it is because I can call it out because I know that these guys are not going to change anything. They come in different ways and guys in different forms to do what they're doing. But their main objective is to keep us oppressed so they can keep taking what they're taking. They do not want us educated. They want to suppress all the time. So what our organization is going to be doing is collaborating with like-minded people. We're going to be talking about education, economical empowerment. Most importantly, our African history. We're trying to collaborate with so many people who are going to bring all things together. It's something we can't do on our own. But what we're doing at the moment is we're trying to build. So I'm looking at reaching out to people. And if there's anybody who wants to collaborate with us, 
in terms of the African, in terms of economics, history, education. We're looking for people. Basically, we need to build a movement. I know there's a lot of people doing it out there, but what we're looking to do is basically unify everybody because we, Africa, we need to work together. Our challenge is the fact that we always like to do things on our own, get the glory within ourselves, and we don't like the collective glory. And the only way Africa could move forward is if we all have, you know, think about the collective glory. When we are together, we're unshakable. We are, when we are divided, that's why they continue to pick us apart. You can see what they do in Africa at the moment. Africa, Berlin Conference, 1940, 1980, whatever, they, 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 split, they split us apart. Kwame Nkrumah said it. He said, guys, before you get comfortable, please, let's unify. Inyerere went the other way, and he goes, no, let's go slow. Basically, that's what's messed Africa up today. Now we're going slow. African leaders got compromised. Guess what? Now they're picking us apart. Now we need to unite. And basically what we're trying to do as an emerging equivalent is unite Africans. You know, a tree can't make a forest, but what we're looking to do is just make a little dent. And a little dent goes a long way. At my age, I don't think about, I'm not, I don't care about anything else. It's just about a legacy of being something that's going to benefit my children, my grandchildren. And that's basically the whole thing behind this. I'm just passionate about the African work. You know, for somebody who lives in Nigeria, who lives in the UK, I go back and forth. And it makes me cry when I see how poverty is messing our people up, despite all the wealth that we have, whereas people come from outside. And guess what? They use this wealth to build their country. And we are running from where we have the gold to the places that use their own our wealth to build their own countries. It just doesn't make sense. Now, the paradox doesn't make sense to me. And that's why I'm so passionate about all these things. We need to move. Sorry, my brother. Obey. I'm kind of I'm passionate about things like this. Man. No, go on, go on, go, my brother. Things just need to change, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Basically, I'm trying to bring everybody together. We need to unite. I don't care your degrees. I don't care about your egos. Yeah, that means nothing if our people are in poverty. So that needs to change. That's basically that's basically the base of what we're doing. What we're doing. We need to unite. All right, uh, Mr. Oladele, what you say really is very interesting and very important. Also. In a time like this mm. uh you see before i ask you the question about uh mindset shift which is what i'm going to ask you after this um i'm trying to look for what can be our responsibility in what is happening to us i remember in 2010 i wrote a book that i titled under development in africa my hands are clean mm. and of course in that book i cited some uh very important uh, work that have been done by african diaspora like for example, the, the work of um, Walter Rodney, that was in 1972. He wrote a book um, that he titled How Europe Would Develop Africa. Of course, yeah, I've, I've, of I've, I've read it, my brother. That's one of those oh, right. that informed me. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. There are a lot of work out there that actually outline um, how uh, Europe have a consistent plan to keep Africa the way uh, we are today. Mm. But my thesis there on the book, uh, then. And of course, I still stand by that because I just recently uh, reworked on the book and uh, um, the new edition is out. Is where is our responsibility in what is happening to us? Are we, do we have a role in what is happening to us or are we just all simply innocent? What do you have to say about that before we can move into the mindset? We have a massive role. Um, put it this way, this is, this is my perception of this. When they came to Africa, okay, Africans, as Africans, we were very, very welcoming. You know, we have no, 
you know, we are free people and we accept and we let people, we welcome people in. But they came with an agenda. Okay, let's understand that. We didn't know. We were ignorant then. We were naive. But moving forward, now we know the agenda. They've come, they've conquered, they've repressed, oppressed us over the years. For me, and this is my frustration, we Africans need to take responsibility. We need to stop being naive. We need to stop being ignorant. We know it's blatantly obvious what's happening to Africa. We know what's going on. But because of the little um, crumbs that they're giving us, because we want to build our own little castles and do our own little things on the side, we're so ignorant and we don't want to take responsibility of the whole collective. We need to be collective. I've said this before. We need to unite. Let's stop thinking about ourselves individually. Ubuntu says, I am because we are. That's basically, that's Africa, as I know it. This is something I saw in the village with my grandfather in a community where nobody lacked. They were self-sufficient. We have all this. So we just have to be responsible. We just, what we're doing is we are reneging on our responsibility. We keep blaming the, the, the government, this, the government, that. But don't forget, the government of your country is a reflection of you. So as Africans, wherever you are, in your organization, in your workplace, wherever you are, we need to actually pull together and bear the responsibility of building our continent. Without us bearing responsibility and taking responsibility for what's going on, nothing's going to change. Everybody doesn't want to bear responsibility, and that's basically why we are where we are. We're just pushing into other people. That's why so many people, instead of them staying back home and fix Africa, we say, no, uh, Nigeria, is not, Nigeria is no good, so everybody wants to go abroad. Okay? You get abroad, the system cages you. You want to you wanna fit in, you want to get a degree, you want to you wanna get promotion, so you can't say nothing. So all these things kind of, it's, it's, it's basically messing us up. So the responsibility is down to us. We need to take a risk. There's no freedom without a fight. And most of us don't want to fight. We don't want to, we just want to go the easy way. I think that's Africans, like we know, we're so, I wouldn't say, we're never, Africans are not spiritual, we're kind of religious. And I mean that in terms of the fact that we use a re religion as, an, as, as, as escapism. So to, to push the responsibility on God, instead of us as individuals taking responsibility and do, because for me, my perception is um, prayer for me means action in motion. When you want something to happen, you basically start doing stuff. When you start doing something, take responsibility. God listens to what you're saying or he sees your action and backs it up for you. And basically it opens the path for you. But when you don't take responsibility for things and you keep pushing it, that's why we're so messed up. So Africans, we need to take responsibility for what's going on. We've, things have happened to us. I understand that. But we can't, we can't sit on that. We need to change it. So that's how I say it. We need to take responsibility. We, we need to hold our government accountable. We need to hold our officials accountable. We need to physically... They know that we're not going to do nothing. Our official government, especially Nigeria elections, just happened now, you know, recently. They know we're not going to do nothing. They say we're so docile and passive about how we do things. So the impunity, they're just, they're just going to keep oppressing until we say, you know what, enough is not and as a collective. As a collective, we pull together. There's nothing they can do because we're more than them. Imagine 5%, 10% controlling 90%. It doesn't make sense. So why can't the 90% just act and do something and stop being docile and passive about everything? That's, that's how oh. I see that. Uh -huh. All right. I, I like to look at the, the structure again, the system, um, because of course that is related also to the mindset. Now, I grew up in a village in Nigeria. So mm. when I speak of 
Africa. And speaking of it, uh, as someone who have a good understanding of how people function in the sense of what is my role in the society, mm. I'm not looking at it purely from an academic point of view. Mm. In fact, I think that in Africa, we should always look at Africa because there is still a part of what that have remained, which is the village. Because now, because there is a lot of effort being made to destroy that. And of course, the destroyer are the Africans themselves. You see, I think uh, one writer, one American writer, African-American writer, uh, uh, was it, uh, Wilson, did say that if you miseducate uh, a, a person, you tell the person that your place is at the back door, you only need to do it for a certain period of time. At the point, you don't need to tell the person that your place is at the back door. When he entered the house, you know that his place is at the back door. So he goes to the back door always all the time. Mm. That is the effect of education. It's a very powerful instrument. In that, somehow we have been told that everything about us traditionally is evil. We have been told that. We have been told that uh, uh, Mongo Park discovered River Niger. We, we see that. Only that we haven't realized the implication of that. We have been told that Christopher Columbus discovered America. You know, things like that. Mm. But the question is, have we ever really thought of that? Like, really, like, ask ourselves, how can you discover a people who saw you coming the other day? They saw you entry their land. Now you discover them. You discover their land. If you are the one that discovered their land, then where are they in history? If Mogopak is the one that discovered River Niger, then what about the people of River Niger that have been living within the bank of River Niger for thousands of years? Because first of all, there was River Niger before the people come to live around it. And I'm talking of thousands of years before Jesus Christ was born. If these people have been living there, be fishing in the water, be cultivating land for several thousands of years, I'm not talking of for several thousands of years. And now, one mafia came from Europe and he said, he is the one that discovered the land. Are we really thinking? Anyway, what I'm, what I'm going is, now, we see that the situation that we have in Nigeria is really messed up. Everything is messed up there. Because we are trying to play the game according to the rule of another person. Now, when you go to Nigeria, you go to, uh, among the Yoruba people, for example, in your village, among the elders, when you look at them, is there something that we can learn from them if we are talking of how to rebuild Africa? Because we cannot build Africa based on the model that is given to us. We are going to build Africa based on either we invent a model or we go back to the model that we know of our people before we encounter the oppressor. Because we cannot build our model based on the model of the oppressor and we want to be free. It's never going to happen even in a thousand years. Where can we, what can we learn from those things that is uniting us among the people in the village, in the community that is not based on the Western model? Help me understand that. Okay, uh, talking about the village, I actually love that because I referred to that earlier. Because I, when I was growing up, when I, when I was young, when I was in Nigeria, I used to go to the village. Um, we had a, a massive cocoa farm. Uh, my grandfather had a massive cocoa farm and I used to go there. And I used to follow my grandfather, you know, I used to go follow him going, go, when they go hunting. It was daunting, it was scary, but it was fun. And what I've noticed then was that we, they had a system where there was an elder, okay, and then they had a, a few people around them, uh, like elders who they would get together, they would talk about things, they had a model which was followed, and things worked. 
you know, if there was any disagreements and stuff like that, you know, they have their little get together where they do, where they do stuff. And basically we had these models that were actually work. And these models were there before the colonizers came. So, you know, they, they, they're talking about barbarism. You know, barbarism is something that, you know, is a word we never had. It's what they brought. But we had, a, we had systems that actually worked for us. So in, based on what you're saying there, Africa has a culture. Obviously, in different communities and in different, we had different king, kingdoms. Don't forget, we had the Benin Kingdom. We have the Yoruba Kingdom, the, the, the Ilefe Kingdom. We had all these kingdoms who had models that worked. So if we want to build Africa, and what those kingdoms did, they united the people. It actually united the people. We didn't have a, a class system, even though there were a few class systems in those days, but you know what? Everybody fed. Nobody was wanting for nothing in those days. That's how Africa was built. So what I'm looking at, what, I'm, what I can see here, is, you know, because we, God has blessed us abundantly in Africa. God has blessed us so much that we have all the wealth. Nobody should be poor in Africa. So what we need to do is, and it's the concept of Ubuntu, my brother. We have that word there for a reason. It's not, it's, even though it, it, it was African, but it's, it's African. I am because we are. That concept basically means that we need to build where everybody's empowered. We can't base our developing Africa based on a, on a, a capitalist system, a Western system, because we never had a capitalist system before they came to Africa. Um, I remember the story of Mansa Musa. I was actually working on one of his videos. And Mansa Musa, if you know, there was a story where Mansa Musa was traveling all around the place and he had all these gold and he was going everywhere. Don't forget, economy is based on lack. That's how the word, you know, the word it came from, Greek word, means lack. economy means lack. Africa never lacked. So in those days, we, had, we, had, we needed what we wanted. We had everything we needed. Obviously, capitalism came and basically they started saying all these things in terms of, okay, yeah, uh, we need this. They keep telling us what we need. And the more you're telling people that they need particular things, then you create a kind of economy so they want to achieve to get those things. Africa has everything it needs. All we need to do is build systems that are catered for every African. We don't, like you said, we don't need a capitalist system. We don't need a Western system. We just need a system that includes all of us as a community. That's who we are. If we can do that, we're going to be okay because as everybody, everybody, nobody's wanting, we're all going to be fine. The problem is because we have this economic system that keeps people lacking. And like you said, people keep moving from the village where the resources are concentrating in the city. And when you have all those people, people living wealth to go to lack. So they create a system for us that basically makes us move away from the land that's self-sufficient for us, where basically you don't have to pay no rent or nothing. And talking about capitalism, land, my grandfather's passed it on from generation to generation. It's a Western system that tells us that we have to sell land. We never sold land. It's all capitalist-driven. It's greed-driven. So all those things push us into narrative where we're pushing ourselves into poverty. So like Africa, you know, you know, I know we can't go backwards. But like you said, there's things that we can learn from what was done in the past that's going to get us to where we need to do. And we, as Africans, we need to rewrite these things. I'm one more than willing to basically throw away everything we've learned and let's start again. I'm sure there's loads of Africans around the diaspora who are brilliant, who can think of a model that can actually serve Africa as Africans collectively, empower us, instead of following the greed-driven consumerism system that was happening in the West. I'm talking of uh, a model... Um, maybe, you know, when uh, you are talking of the village uh, setting just now, maybe when I may reference to it, somebody might think that 
okay, we are looking at a situation where everybody is going to go back, maybe I'll be dressing in semi-dressing that, uh, that, that you might see in some places or not living in the condition that was like 500 years ago. That is not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we pick the model, what work, and we transform it according to the time that we are living in today. We are going to use computer, we are going to use internet, Absolutely. but we are going to use it according to how it reflects us. Yeah. Now, you see, internet, how the internet work is built on technology that was that have been here for thousands of years. Because nothing really is new. We are all building upon the knowledge that we have seen before. Because without perfect mathematics, the pyramid will not be built. Yeah. But pyramid have been built several thousands of years ago, no? So that when we say learn the ways of our ancestors, we're not only really saying go back. Okay, going back also need to be explained. What does it even mean, going back or going forward? Because in most of our culture, in African culture to be precise, or in most of all traditional culture across, across the world, we're actually going back in the sense that we are in a circle. We're always moving around. And the concept of circle is very important. In, in the village, for example, we all sit in a circle. And of course, that is actually transferred into the modern technology that we have, into the modern democracy that we have today. Look at the United Nations, for example. It is built around a circle. The idea is a very beautiful one. But it is in the hand of few mafia who actually use it for their interest. Because if the United Nations were to function according to the principle where it is coming from, because it was built upon the village style, the tree is in the middle where everybody is hiding under for the shade, for, for the shade, either for the sun or for mm. the rain. Mm. But while they are hiding under it, they have something that is uniting all of them together. They, they all talk. It is not master versus uh, the slave. It is everybody equal. I am looking at you, you are looking at me. That is, the, that is why it is a circle. It's a circumference. If you remove me, it is no longer a circle. It's no longer complete. But we can see now that Africa is not participating in the United Nations. If there is a vote in the United Nations, we cannot veto it, which means it is not complete. We are not part of it. We only need to sign according to how French, United States, Canada, and uh, Germany decide they want to run the world. We just need to agree to them. We don't have the power to be able to say, no, we are not going to. We can veto it. We cannot veto it. Otherwise, Africa would have been able to veto going to, to kill Gaddafi. All right. What I'm, what I'm trying to say there is that we're not really like saying we want to go back on the way. Because many people, many, many people in Europe were also in that same level, like the, 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 the way they want to project Africa as this is what we are. Everybody was at that same level. Because there, there was no internet. There, there was no computer. Okay, can you remind me the car that um, Emperor Augustus was riding? He didn't have any car because there was no car in the world. The car was not invented yet. Mm. Or you want to tell me the telephone number of, uh, of Jefferson? There was, he didn't have any telephone number. Or you want to tell me um, that uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, they were riding on, on, on BMW. It was not that. They were living according to what was available at the time. But there was a model. That model is what we are talking about. It is important. Because we have not invented the circle. The circle has been there. The circle has remained the same since the time that it was invented by the ancient. That is what we're actually talking about, that the people are important. They must become important in the society. And if we look at, for example, how the system is run in Nigeria, we can see that the people are not important. The people are not important. I tell you what is going to happen. I can even tell you, I can kill you, nothing will happen. 
Alright, talking of mentality, how do we build the kind of Africa that we want? That is a line that I, I see that is very strong on your communication. Help me with that. I've talked about it. Mindset. Mindset is basically one of the biggest, biggest, biggest impediments to freeing African people, the way we think. Uh, the mindset that makes us think that everything in the West is better. The mindset that makes us think that, oh yeah, a white Jesus is a, is a savior. The mindset that basically thinks like, you know, our education, uh, Western education is the best for us. Basically, um, obviously you're talking about the, um, the miseducation mis 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 of, the, of the black race. Okay, that book basically goes into detail. My brother, uh, we, when you have a religion that gives you, tells you white Jesus, it basically takes you away from your own African culture. We had African culture before they came to our, to our shores. A lot of us, we people, don't even want to comprehend the fact that some of them, even on LinkedIn, I post it on there. Just think about it for a second. Where were you before Christianity came? What if there was no Christianity? Where do you think you will be? How do you think you will be? Imagine there was no Christianity at all. Do you think you're going to be a different place? You can, just for people to think about it, they find it hard. Then we have education. In African schools, in Nigerian schools right now, we don't teach history. So how can you inform the kids that are coming about what happened in the past when a history of a people is erased? It makes them lost. That's why a lot of us are lost. You can see Africans all over diaspora, you know, the American Americans, the British, uh, British, um, black British, American, African Americans, because the history didn't, you know, our history was not before the white. We had history before then, but they, they kind of messed up our history. They basically caught that, they, they caught a part of the tree off us. Basically, we made us lost. So we're kind of wandering around, not knowing exactly where we are. So you come up, you see all people coming up with all sorts of things, like trying to make us feel. Oh, yeah, we are this, we are that. But the history was ours. Okay? And then, obviously, the history was the main point. And then the education. Okay, we have, we look at our schools. Look at our schools today. Look at other schools. Basically, it, basically, we know, we know nothing about ourselves. But obviously, and I'm talking about history as well. We don't teach African history. The education is messed up. Religion is messed up. Those three things are key things. That's basically messing up our mindset. So if we can actually address those things, thinking about spirituality as Africans, where we were before they came and where we would have been. Obviously, we're not going to be like we were before things would change. I'm sure we would have moved on, but we never had a chance to even know where we would be anyway because they never let, give us a chance. Education. We need to throw away the Western education completely. We have intellectuals all over Africa, um, the world, who can actually break down, build a curriculum that's all Afrocentric, Pan-African in thinking. And then also the history. We need to bring the history back. Okay, we know, we obviously thank God for internet as you've mentioned, okay, now a lot of people are discovering because I can see the awareness is there. But all these things fit into the way we think. And if we can actually, and what I've done personally is I've, I was prepared to throw everything away and I've done that. I had to re-educate myself to understand that everything that I was learned, everything I was taught is a lie. And I can tell everybody categorically that everything that we've taught has been a lie all the way. And when they feed you a lie, how can you trust a system that fed your life? And this is basically how my thinking was informed to make and think about, you know what? I'm ready to throw away what I've learned and then start from the bottom up and start building myself up. And that's basically what I've started to do. And as I, as, like I said to you before, the moment I start doing that, my mindset changed. Obey, I can see things clearly. I can see evil from afar because I know that there is no good intention in what they're doing. 
And if most Africans are willing to do this, don't forget your education is somebody's idea poured into you and then you get a degree and you just say you, you're a professor. But what about you looking at your African history and use it as a template to build yourselves up? We're not doing that. So you go to university, you get all these degrees, PhD, based on somebody's ideas poured into your head and you're calling that education. That's not education, that's indoctrination. A lot of people don't understand that. And this is where our mindset needs to change. The moment you throw that away, don't get me wrong, those things help you because it helps me, but you use it to build what you need to build. And Africa needs a fresh perspective, a fresh thinking. And that is why our mindset, the way we think, because I'll go on about this like all the time, the way you think matter. If you think what's yours is not good enough, then you're not going to appreciate it, you're not going to value it. Whereas people from afar overpressed you, come and take it, make value of it, and you that own it, don't see it as valuable. So you rather run away from it. So this is the mindset thing we're talking about. That's basically, um, we're going to be creating like educational systems. We're trying to collaborate with people who are going to bring African history on board. You know, there's a few people that I'm, I'm already talking to where we're going to be and our scaling programs. Talk about even create events around these kind of things because African history, once you're informed, is powerful and it gives us our pride and ego back. Africans lack pride because we don't know our history. The moment you know your history and you know where you're from, you don't have to sit on it, but it takes you to where you need to be. So you can actually have a foundation. You can understand why things are messed up. Because right now, most people don't, don't understand what things are messed up. When I put my post out there, you know, when did I start doing this? I actually started posting LinkedIn probably just about a year ago. And I've been on LinkedIn. I don't know how many. I've been on LinkedIn for years. But I thought to myself, I need to do something. And that's why I started posting consistently, consistently. And the feedback's been great. But we can't just sit there and posting. We need to take it from, from the digital to the physical. So that's basically why we need things that are going to create the mindset shift that's going to move all of us. It's very, very important because our mindset, the way we think, is the biggest, biggest, and I say again, the biggest impediment to us seeing clearly. If you take the scales off your eyes and start thinking about all these people, those people, then you will see what the intentions are. And nobody's going to help us but us. So, my brother, we, we just need to wait to wake up. And that's why mindset, mindset, the way you think, as a man thinking, so is he. As a woman thinking, so is she. You know, I've got to use those codes, man. And when you think the way you think, you're not going to see nothing. But if you open your eyes carefully and see that these systems that you follow are not there to emancipate or to break you free of anything, they're not. But, but, but even that, there is something to be said there, Don, that Kwame uh, Krumah um, did say something interesting that I, I think many Africans need to pay attention to, both uh, um, the Pan-Africanists, both the Afrocentrics, and also those that are sort of skeptic of the entire idea of Pan-Africanism uh, and all of that. Uh, Kwame Krumah said that we are going to take the system of oppression and use it for our own interest. But that, I mean, we can't simply say that science and technology is a Western idea, no. It is no science or technology that is a Western idea, but there is a way that they apply that is a Western idea. But the principle is basically the same, just like I was saying before. The fundamentals of the world that we have today have already been established before the pyramid were built. In fact, that is what it symbolized. We can see everything just perfectly going up. It is mathematics, astronomy, physics, history, all these things have been well understood. People have been exploring the universe for several hundreds of years before NASA was born. You see, 
the idea, the basic setup is already there. It doesn't belong to the West. It belongs to humanity, all of us. So if there is anything we can take from the Second World War, we can take it, but we are not going to apply it according to how the West apply it. That is where it is very important. If maybe um, Harvard University introduced uh, a type of lecture, an understanding of how to live, and we see that it is good, we can take it, but we must apply it according to how it is relevant to us. I just want to make that very clear. That yeah, obey, knowledge doesn't yeah. belong to anybody, but yeah. the way that we apply it. Yeah, yeah please yeah. go. Yeah, what I was trying to say there, I'm just going to throw it into that. And that's basically what we're using the Afrocentric. Afrocentric means basically the African way, but using the same, same technique to build the community we need. As I always talk about Afrocentric solutions. It's basically tailored around African, Africanness, Af African community. So those things basically, like you said, take a bits and pieces from whatever there's there. Like, don't forget, science came from um, Egypt. Don't forget, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Mali, all those places. We had all these things in place. Basically, they came. Don't forget the Greeks, the Romans came to Africa to learn all these things. And then they took it back. So they were already there. It's just the fact that they modernized it and to use it. So we just need to basically copy what, what's unique for us. Because we cannot, like you said, you've said it, we can never use their solution to solve African problems. It's impossible. We've been doing that for years, using all this democracy and all these systems, basically. But all it's done is kept people poor. You know, the poverty that level that we have in Africa today was never there about 70, 80 years ago. And look at us now. It's basically people are lacking, people in poverty. That's because we're copying things that don't work for us. And unfortunately, the people in the system, because the system feeds a few, they keep subverting the empowerment of the people. So basically, we need to take what's right, obviously copy bits and pieces, because we can. We know there's a lot of good in, in what the West has done. There is a lot. I'm not, I'm not going to go against that. But like you said, let's use it tailor-made to African solutions so we can create this community that we And it's all about the community. Okay, I'm actually I don't care if you're a millionaire or billionaire. It doesn't it doesn't move me. All I want to see is that the poor people who got no access have access to something that's going to empower them. Because one 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 billionaire in the midst of poverty makes you poor anyway. But a lot of Africans don't think that way. So no, I just had to say that. Thank you so much for that. And if they don't think that way, it's not because they have not been thinking that way. Because they are thinking that would according to the educational uh, structure that we are responding to. Yeah, you already mm. explained that, so I'm not going yeah. to go yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, but the point now is, how do we uh, set ourselves free from there, uh, looking at maybe the indoctrination and the indoctrination system where we are? Because like like I was saying before, we have become agent of self-destruction. We are basically perpetuating the same thing. So the Europeans don't need to really go to Africa and be imposing, because they already have a lot of agents there like the pastors who go to Europe and be indoctrinated by the European and tell them, this is what we are going to do. And they go home and, of course, they make a lot of money from it. Nobody say you're not going to make a lot of money because it's all based on the system of enslavement. How many people can you enslave into this idea, these principles? So it becomes uh, difficult now when we are the agent of destruction for ourselves. We are at danger to ourselves. So we are not really fighting the enemy. Because first of all, we don't even know who we are fighting. Because if a people is united, they will stand all the time. 
Now, you, you can't simply tell me that there was no system in Africa if you are talking of system like how to organize the people. Because how could the Benin build the Benin war without a system? And that evil, as just the war itself already explained a lot of things. Why would there be the need to build the war if there was nothing to defend? That is one thing. Secondly, if the Benin were rich, I'm not talking about the Benin Empire, if they were rich, and they are building a war, the war explained two things, that first of all, there was a high treasure that is being protected inside the war. And secondly, there was equally an, a sizable opponent coming from the outside to take those treasure. That was why it was built. With me, there were this development all across. It was only in Benin. Mm. I'm talking of the Benin Empire now. Yeah, yeah. That is to say that all across Africa, we have systems that have been there. But we have been indoctrinated to look at this system as evil, as nothing, as everything bad. But where do we start from now to sort of correct that so that we can understand again that we are in a game playing according to the rule of another person, that we are never going to win this game like this? How do we help ourselves? Where do we start from? Bro, um, that's why we created the Imagine Academy, because we know that the, the journey it's not for the faint-hearted. It's basically going to be a long haul. So that's basically why we created the Emerging Cable. And basically, we just need to start from somewhere. You know, basically, there's no quick fix to this because don't forget the perpetration of, of the indoctrination has been going on for years. Basically, they've had plenty of time. They've had plenty of time to actually get to where they are. Whereas we haven't even started yet. I know we've started gradually. And don't forget, we're just in 2023. So you've been in a particular a perpetual circle for so many years. Just starting is, 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 is daunting, but we need to start somewhere. That's basically like-minded, that's what we're looking for, like-minded people who are radical in thinking to come together. Let's just start small and start, the key is education, let's start educating our people. That's basically why we've got the Emerging Archibald going. We're looking for collaborations with people who, who think the way we think, and let's just start building from somewhere. At least, let's sow the seed. Once you start sowing the seed, it will go, it will start, it will start germinating. But let's start the seed because, bro, it's difficult, basically. You know, this has been going on for a long time. I don't even know. Where, even if you ask me, where do we start? I would just say to myself, you know what, let's just start doing something. When you start doing something and then people start seeing what we're doing and people start copying, then hopefully, and hopefully that would, that would keep changing things. That's, we have to start from somewhere because something that's been going on for years, you know, we, we're basically on the back foot and we're trying to catch up. It's, gonna, it's not going to be possible. But that's why we're doing what we're doing. Basically, it just starts little. At wherever you are, it's BC, any organization, wherever you are, let's just start doing gradual, gradual processes and just start using the internet, TikTok, I use a lot, Facebook. Let's just get started and get the message out there. The more of us who are doing it, the better for everybody. And that's basically what we need to do. And the more people who do it, obviously people are going to gravitate towards it because don't forget, we, we people, we, we follow trends. If there's a lot more of us doing and they're seeing what we're saying, and it's consistent, and it's consistent enough, people will grab onto it. And I think that's all we'd have to do. Thank you so much for that. Now, uh, quickly uh, share with people, how can they reach you so that they can collaborate with what you are doing? Because you are doing a fantastic job out there. But like you already said, this is not a job for one person. No one can do it alone. We all need each other. We are a community. We are a community-based people. So we need to be working together. But how can they reach you? Share with them. Yeah, basically, if you go onto LinkedIn, we've got the Emerging Archibalum page. So, yeah, that's, that's going strong at the moment. Obviously, you can reach me on my LinkedIn page as well, Oladiledosimu. Just search for me. I'm there. We've got the Facebook page, which is just created. So we're on Facebook. We're on um, TikTok as well. 
all you have to do is just look for the Emerging Archibalan, EA, Emerging Archibalan. Just type it in, we're there. So, and obviously, if there's any messages, if anything you want to do, just on my LinkedIn page, basically, I'm easily accessible. If you go into a Facebook page, if you look for me, sometimes I don't like giving my phone number to everybody, but if you look on my Facebook page, you can actually reach me. So, there, you have to go into my social media, Emerging Archibalan, just search that you can you can easily contact us and sooner or later i think soon probably next week or two our um website will go up as well so that's gonna go that's gonna be going live so and that's basically our mission and vision statement we'll put on there so people can actually see it, and then people can actually reach out to us and then we're gonna start uh and you know, collating names of people who want to be part of the of the movement and i'm gonna call it a movement because basically that's what we're trying to do we're trying to create a movement yeah so that's, that's, that's interesting it. i i love that that there is something Cooking. There is something cooking there. I believe that this is the right time for us to do this kind, this kind of thing that we are doing. Like I said before, we are going to use the tools of the age to our advantage, and we really must do this. All right. So, what would be your final thought here, considering what we have discussed today about Africa? I call it about our reawakening. Yeah. Help me. Your final thought. Oh, my final thought, my brother, man. It, it saddens me. Um, and this is basically I'm going to go for the youth. This is one thing that makes me cry. Is the fact that. Um, Africa has the most energetic youth in the world. Basically, we have the youngest generation in the Africa, by none, compared to any, any continent in the world. And unfortunately, a lot of them have no hope. That saddens me. The fact that they want to run away from wealth to come to the oppressive state, it basically means that. And I, I can never tell anybody who wants to come abroad not to come abroad because I can't, because they will say, oh yeah, but you've been there. But I'd like to see where our youth see hope in Africa, where they don't have to move from Africa to actually fulfill their promises in this world. And that's the kind of Africa that I want to see, where our youth would have everything they need around them to actually fulfill their God-given talent and God-given vision, instead of them coming to places where they merely tolerate us. And I'm talking for somebody who's lived in the West for so many years. We're merely tolerated. I see every I see all the time. So I'm hoping that with what we're trying to do, we can actually create a reality, a, a reality for Africans at home. Even if you come to come to West, come home, come to West and visit. But don't, I don't want to see Africans coming here to stay. I rather we do, we build back home and let's build our own Africa. We basically we've got everything we need to build it. Let's do it. That's, that's all I have to say. We, we need to build our own community. We need to build the equivalent of our dreams. We need to build it, my brother. This is my passion. Well, I want to see Africans become. I don't want to see us keep coming onto the West, man. I'm sorry, the West has nothing to offer. All it does is keep you in the matrix. That's all it does. You know, you can have all the little trinkets here and there. That's good and fine. But if your community, your Africa is your backbone, if you can't be proud of it, if you cannot be proud of your Africa, the Africa, the, 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 the Mother Earth, then I'm sorry, whatever we achieve abroad means nothing if Africa is not, not what it's supposed to be. Thank you so much for that, uh, Oladeli. I appreciate the time and also the sharing. That will be a highly valuable information. Thank you. Thank you very much, my brother, man. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Overhead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. Thank you so much for listening. i talk to you in the next episode.